communication is so important because somebody's got to be in charge. But on the other hand, most of the time, we're not dealing with emergency situations. I am throwing out the percentage, it's all made up, but I'm thinking 90% of the time we're not in a code or an emergency situation. And that research shows that the problem there, even if you think you have a trusting relationship with someone within your peer group or in whether it's intra or inter-professional, it all boils down to is it a safe place to voice your own opinion? Will you be heard? And that, if you don't feel heard, no amount of assertiveness training or crucial conversation training or anything else is going to Hey there, my friend. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. I am a cardiothoracic surgery PA with a background in public health and neuroscience. I'm also your peak performance coach. I had to say no to working extreme long hours where I was always on call and feeling exhausted, underappreciated, and undervalued, and said, heck yes, to a life and career that elevates my energy and passion without compromising my health and sanity. Now, I'm on the mission to support ambitious healthcare professional like you with a demanding career to become a confident leader who are living purposefully and fulfilled to truly be both a powerhouse in your career and a passionate person in life. Let's start our journey today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is Sabrina Rombach, your host for the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. And we thank you for joining us for another episode. And today we wanted to focus on why are we having so much miscommunications in healthcare? And we know it's one of the biggest problems in terms of having team satisfaction as well as having quality of care and patient satisfaction. So that's why I invite Dr. Candy here to join us. She is a doctor of nurse practitioner. She's an actor, author, producer, filmmaker. So many amazing things she's been doing. And she wrote the book, Improv to Improving Healthcare. And we wanted to dive deeply all in to her experiences of what are some of the struggles that she's been seeing in teams clinics versus when you have individual conversations and what can we do and using improv to improve that. So thank you so much, Dr. Hanning. Thank you for inviting me, Sabrina. It's a pleasure. I definitely could not say even enough about you. So how do you get into the interest of in medicine and really seeing this gap in communication and what are some of the things that you just said, hey, you know what? This is my passion. I need to discover more of that. It's kind of a long story, but I'll make it short. 
There was a time, my first career is acting, as you know, and it's very difficult for an actor to make it in the real world. And I was dissuaded after I graduated with my degree in theater and acting because I had one of those, what do they call, casting couch experiences. It was a long time before the Me Too movement, but I basically said, that's it. If people are going to treat me that way, I'm not going to be in this kind of profession, although I love acting. So one thing led to another, and I got the call, as I say, to be a nurse at 30,000 feet. I was working as a flight attendant at the time, which was sort of the interim job that I took because I liked to travel, didn't know what else to do with my life. And we were flying from New Delhi, India, to Karachi, Pakistan, one very hot day when the air conditioning went out after we had served a three-course meal. That's what they used to do even in economy, by the way. And my seatmate and I were told to sit down because we were having turbulence. And so wouldn't you know, suddenly after this big meal, we're looking at the back of the uh, airplane, 124 people, suddenly we dropped a really long way. And we watched as 124 people vomited in unison, big ribbons of vomit. And I learned that day, there are people who go run to help, those who run to hide. She ran to hide. I ran to help. And when it was all over, she said, you ought to be a nurse. You're really good at this kind of taking care of people thing. And so I transitioned into nursing. Then, interestingly enough, I often say that there's a parallel between the sort of psychological study that actors make and that healthcare people make. Because as you know, as a practitioner, Sabrina, when we go into, well, whether it's the OR or to a room, whatever, we get a report about the patients that we're going to be seeing. And we get a little bit of the backstory so that we can be resolving their nervousness or whatever it is to give care that day. And I realized that there are a lot of healthcare practitioners who seem to not be able to communicate very well with their patients. So as an actor on the side, I had come back to acting on my own terms. And I thought, you know, started with stand-up comedy, then I got into improv. And as I started teaching improv in the San Francisco area, I co-founded an improv company and started teaching in Silicon Valley around 1995. I thought, golly gee, this is the kind of training that would really be helpful in healthcare. So that started the wheels turning and became my doctoral project. That's so fascinating. You collectively, your background in acting, you started there and transitioning into, hey, I have an interest in flying. Let me just do test this out and then find out your natural ability just to dive in in critical situation to help to do something about it instead of some people as you're saying they either fire flight or freeze right and so for those people who are in the freeze or flight state it needs the rest of us 
in healthcare who are able to dive in. Now, every situation is different. Some are more emergent and does not make people feel good, right? Doesn't matter how long you're being in healthcare, it's still not easy. But you can tell that acting is something else I always wanted. Let me explore that. And that actually can help us to be able to communicate and change and adapt into new situation, right? Would you say that's the main core is improv is all about tapping into what that person said, act, so you can change really quickly to that next position and change the way that you feel uh, almost respond to it and take some part of the personal emotion out of things. It's true. And as a matter of fact, you're probably familiar with the book on emotional intelligence by Daniel Goldman that came out in 1995. But, you know, those principles of learning how to read nonverbal behavior, of tuning in to the emotions behind what people are saying. Those are the kinds of tricks and tips that actors have been learning for a long, long time. We call them the soft skills, but it's really a misnomer. You know, if you don't know how to get along with people, it's a problem. And in healthcare, sometimes because of the hierarchy, uh, you know, we as nurses, we have to interact with patients with doctor's orders. And sometimes uh, we might come across as a little authoritative, which is not the best way to approach a person who's already fearful right? So that's part of the training is really it boils down to a lot of emotional intelligence, but it's based on cognitive behavior study and neuroscience. And it's fun. Exactly. Our brain is so massive. We cannot tap into all of it, but even the small amount we can tap into. I talk so much about mental fitness. It's not that who we are defined by our personality is such a small percentage of it. Yes, maybe some of us are defined by on average 30% of the time, but that means you have so much room to change, to adapt your own attitude and behavior to fit the situation you're in. And one of the study even says that micro expression, right? People say the words don't really match what they're feeling because Dr. Kenneth, you even said, maybe based on fear, right? You, do, you don't want to show your true self at the moment. You worry about what other people think of you. Do you sound uh, less intelligent, less confident? So you hide behind your words. But that true micro expression, both from the practitioner side and how we read our patient is so crucial to actually watch people, their behavior and then their physical body and their facial expression. Oh, that is so true. And, you know, there's a lot of research about just exactly what you're saying. So one of the examples that I pull into the trainings that I do is that whether or not you're aware of it, we are influenced by what we perceive other people's micro expressions to be. So for instance, I think the first time that we might have remembered this kind of interaction was scroll back into the days when you were in high school. You know how you're going along the hallway, there's a rush of kids and everybody's looking at everybody else. And what this research was so interesting, it said that, a smile or a frown 
at 10 feet away, whether it was meant for you or not. If you perceive it as you often think it's meant for you, even if somebody's frowning because they just had a bad day or something like that. And that itself influences a release of corticosteroids. And the opposite is also true. Somebody's smiling because they're happy and you think they're smiling at you. Well, there's a nice rush of serotonin. It's about perception and it's not really about reality at the time. So we have to give ourselves these little check-ins. And definitely the way that we can understand our team, other people who are working with us also can show them that they're being appreciated. And just by saying you did such a good job, it's not really enough, right? We know there are different five languages of appreciation at work, just like our love languages. And appreciation really is, by research, the number one factor that people leave them to. And we know, right? And to replace a doctor, usually that's a 500K to million. And to replace advanced practitioners as NPSPAs like us also can cause double of the salary. And same thing with nurses, right? It usually goes up by 60, 70% more than working base pay. So some hospitals, especially during this critical pandemic time, has been giving extra incentive bonuses whether it's hourly or shift-wise, just to retain their nurses and their staff in general, instead of people feeling like, well, we're just being overworked, let me find something else. That is so true. And, you know, part of the problem of this miscommunication that underpins people being disengaged and un satisfied at work is that because of the silos that we have in healthcare, you can look at the history and see how that was necessary because we started in the military model where, you know, we have an authoritative person giving the rest of the team a direction. And it is still true today that in case of emergency or let's say surgery or what have you, that open loop or a Communication is so important because somebody's got to be in charge. But on the other hand, most of the time, we're not dealing with emergency situations. I am throwing out the percentage, it's all made up, but I'm thinking 90% of the time we're not in a code or an emergency situation. And that research shows that the problem there, even if you think you have a trusting relationship with someone within your peer group or in whether it's intra or inter-professional, it all boils down to is it a safe place to voice your own opinion? Will you be heard? And that, if you don't feel heard, no amount of assertiveness training or crucial conversation training or anything else is going to actually make a difference. You need to learn how to make and keep relationships with people you work with. You don't have to be best friends, but to have positive working relationships. That is so true. And especially tie into your earlier comment on perception. Doesn't matter how solidified that relationship is. The longer you know someone, 
actually somehow internally we have this expectation they just get us but we all change every situation is different so if we have too high of expectation of everyone else just like us in healthcare we're always feel like oh we have to have a high standard but when we put our high standard up there that also is what we call impossible intelligence is sabotaging tendency of high achiever if everybody has to achieve to a certain level that is actually killing your self-identity because if you don't get to a certain level now who am i it hurts your self-confidence it hurts so many different way of how we see ourselves because it's so much driven by what are we being viewed from other right instead of trusting our own ability just to simply show up because if you don't show up for your team for your patient then you're doing a disservice for everyone so that being said what have you noticed some crucial body languages or micro expressions that we should be really paying attention to when we interact with our team member or even with our patients Uh, Thank you for that question. That comes up quite a lot. And in the first place, we need to know that different cultures reflect different meanings for different micro expressions. So we do a lot of this kind of work in nonverbal communication when we're doing the workshops. And one thing that is interesting, I think, is an exercise we do where we divide up into two groups. One group is the directive to look at a person and then look away right away. The other group has the direction to look at a person and keep looking at the person, not smiling or anything. And the perception pretty much goes cross-culturally that if you lock eyes with someone without smiling, it's perceived as a threat. Interesting. Yes, uh, you lock eyes without expression. And I think that's almost like a fear-based reaction. We don't know what that person is thinking. And immediately we're shut down. Like, And our brain has a tendency to fill stories instead of asking for the reality we start creating all these stories of what does that mean they don't even give me expression and i talk to my clients about this all the time they're successful practitioners and own their own practice but then the complaint is well if i go in and my patient just press arm and just stare at me and don't say anything now i'm not sure if they hate him or they're just not accepting my treatment and then sometimes it's just that their default face like they have no specific emotion at a time because they're just trying to process the information but it, it is definitely interesting finding yes and to your point when you walk into a room and somebody's got their arms crossed that processing is a normal reaction to the fact that when you're a patient you're institutionalized. Your real estate is down to what? A little tray? And you're in a funny gown with a bow on the back that reveals your other side when you don't necessarily want to reveal it? It's very intimidating. And so as a practitioner, what we can do then is again, engage them. And even if there's also been interesting studies about what kind of a smile should you give if you're coming into a room? Should you give a big toothy grin? That might be misinterpreted too. 
sometimes it's the opposite effect of what you want. But to reflect, we call this a mirroring exercise, to reflect what you see in another person's face and soften your face and to say to them, let's say the person with their arms crossed, you seem a little concerned. Tell me about that. That starts a conversation that that people feel heard. And we know from our exit interviews that when you feel heard, then you feel as though, and it is true, that you know something's going to happen, that that person is on your team. That person becomes your safe person. I would tell you, Sabrina, I don't know if you've ever been a patient in a hospital, but I used to tell my students, you can tell if you or your family member have ever been in the hospital when a provider comes in, no matter what their role, they could be a nurse, a doctor, a respiratory therapist, anybody comes in and they're not focused on the patient. They're just thinking of other things and so forth and so on. You feel like you don't want to deal with that person. And the opposite is true. Someone comes in, they involve themselves with what they're perceiving. They listen to you. You want to ask for that person every day. You're so right. It's that perception of how do we mirror each other's body languages, tonalities, right? If someone cracks joke, you're laughing along with it. You, you are, that's part of the report. And not necessarily we just have to chit chat about their family to build rapport. It's how intentional we are about asking them the reason they're being there. If you happen to see them in clinic versus those of us who work in a hospital that you're doing your daily rounds, there are still different intentions about when do I leave, right? And so we need to know what people actually intend to have from their care outcome. And great way, just like Dr. Candy said, ask question. What question? If you are the patient, you want to be asked. And what would be beneficial from a practitioner's standpoint to ask those questions? Because if we're just blah, 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 running off all the medication, all the treatment plan, all the things, then people feel like they're being told, right? Like it's being talked instead of care about and be interested about themselves enough to actually ask questions or even ask those affirmation questions. How well did you understand this treatment plan? Like, do you think this will be even something doable for you, right? And now we can at least engage on compliance. That's true. And you know, there's another thing that we can do that sometimes we're in such a hurry, we don't even think about it. If we have just, uh, if we take one minute or so, less than a minute to grab a chair and sit down and be eye level with that person and just take a nice deep breath and pause for a second. And perhaps begin, if you know you're going to go through this litany of a lot of medications and everything, there's going to be some teaching involved. Just ask them, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm here right now. I know we have to go through these medications, but I want to know what's 
you know, is there something bothering you? You know, how are you doing? Or tell me what your questions are or whatever. Just be a person, not authoritative, looming over the bed, looking down. Again, the way we receive even that body position is usually quite negative because, and think of it another way. Who are most of our patients? Most of our patients, unless you work in pediatrics, are older people. And we know a lot about geriatric patients who make up the bulk of who we're serving. And that is, they have aches and pains, and sometimes their neck is really sore. And it's hard for them to even, you've noticed if they if they put the television way up high, the poor little patients can't often even, they can't hyperextend their necks sometimes. And if you're standing next to them, it's, you know, it's sometimes hard for them to turn. They don't have, you know, rotation skills. And just sitting down makes it so much better. You're so right. It's about being on the same level, right? Eye level. Just like we are being here, when you're on camera, when you're in person, it's so much easier to look at someone to even detect their body languages if you're on the same level. And you become not so much of a high differential, but we're all just being here together. I'm present for you. And instead, I'm just walking in, ready to get out. (laughs) I'm not trying to rush the situation. And which body languages and communication huge. And we can talk endless about this topic. And I so appreciate Dr. Candy being here. And now we know it's for us to master all the things in our life, in our career. And that's one reason that reflection based on self-determination theory, we know the more we know about ourselves, the higher we actually be able to perform and the more resilient we are. So Dr. Candy, when you saw your life will how did you thought, um, any emotions, any thoughts that pop into your mind? Anything you would change? Well, for those people who don't know about the life wheel, I think it's fair to say, let me first ask the question because I don't remember. It was a while ago I did it. How many questions are there on it? So we mm-hmm. take 10 questions out of my 100 question deep dive with my clients just so people can reply on these 10 key components of life. Exactly. So, you know, whenever you do self-reflection as a very busy person and as a healthcare clinician, goodness, it took me aback for a minute because I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't really thought of that for a long time because we're so busy, right? And so the way it was divided up into the different elements, and I think, didn't you say there's 10? 10 categories. Yeah, that was um, interesting to see the wheel. And, uh, you know, I'm more advanced in years now. So I like to think that I have those things pretty well rounded, but there were definitely some areas that I definitely need to look at more closely. Yeah, don't we all? It's our life changes and there's going to be shifting around. And it's amazing that we can tap into the area that we're just so solid, right? And then those are our backbones. And versus there are areas that we don't even thought about that 
maybe it used to be important, or maybe I still think they're important, but I haven't even done anything with them, right? And then that's the gaps that we can fill as we move forward. So thank you so much. And I know there are going to be a lot of people who want to improve their communication skill to uplift their team members in their own practice, because ultimately, the more patients you see, the better engagement you have as a whole team. That's how we can increase profitability and patient satisfaction at the same time. And for a generous gift, Dr. Candy has offered three first three people who are able to leave a comment on what you like the best about today's episode and send a direct message to me, whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram, and we will give you a free book. And I am so thankful and grateful for you to do that. You are very welcome. Here is the book, Improv to Improve Healthcare, A System for Creative Problem Solving. Yay. And for anybody else who wanted to purchase the book, how would they find the book? It's on Amazon. Yes. Right. Any other bookseller that, you know, sorry. That's amazing because I I definitely buy so much things on Amazon, just so much more convenient than driving to a store. All the other outlets have it too. Yeah. Great. So convenient for all of you guys to grab a copy, whether you like a physical copy, a audiobook, you can purchase that and we would love to hear from you. And so any last words you would like to pitch our practitioners to know? I would invite anyone who would like to connect with me about uh, speaking engagements or workshops to write me or visit my website, candycampbell.com. And there's a contact form there or email me, candy at candycampbell.com. Pretty simple. Amazing. Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you love this episode, please subscribe to the channel, leave a comment below. And let us know what other ways we can further support you on other topics that you might be interested in learning. Until next week. Bye, guys. Bye. All right, my friend. How did you love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can continue to build your positive intelligence for that beautiful mind of yours to live powerfully and passionate. I know this just the tip of the iceberg. You probably have a lot more questions on actually how do I implement those things into my own life? Well, this is the solution. Joining us inside the private Facebook group, go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Powerful Passionate, where I go live weekly to answer any questions that you have and continue to put more resources for you to help you to get to that point. You can be both powerful and passionate where you're no longer working on any mundane work and truly focusing on the things that matter. You can be both powerful and passionate where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me and together 
We can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.